out your partner and join in the fun. The Pennsylvania Polka, it started in Scranton, it's now number one. It's fun to entertain ya, everybody has a mania to do the polka from Pennsylvania. Welcome back to the Black Shoe Diaries podcast. Chris Grovich here with uh, Kevin Powers in D.C. How are you? Doing good. Pat's open minus 14 next week. Yes. We, we, we uh, are recording this about five or ten minutes after the conclusion of the Steelers-Broncos game. Uh, we both have raging T-boners at this juncture. <laughs> um, although I, we, were, we were sort of chatting about this before we started the podcast. Is, is this good for Penn State? Because Denver really doesn't have a chance to go to... New England and, and get us our new head coach sooner. Yeah, at, at the risk of alienating at least half of the of the user base, um, it was just kind of fun to root for Denver in this one for whatever reason. But uh, but I, I certainly think Pitts, Pittsburgh was the better team. I'll take Pittsburgh every single time against the Patriots. Um, you mean all, uh, um No, I, I mean I mean I would if if. if if the goal of this whole exercise, and by that I mean the NFL oh, okay, playoffs, I see what you mean. You'd rather have Pittsburgh playing <laughs> was the to get our than, yes. yeah, was to get our coach back. Um, yes, I I think the the move was to was to nominate and send the Steelers, but you know what? It was a pretty pretty wacky ending. It so. was. Well, everybody, your new head coach at the Pennsylvania State University is Bill O'Brien, and he will forever be known as Bob. And I like what we're doing. Yeah, I, th- I think I think Bob talk is a big hit. As yeah, sh- I was as it should be. <laughs> I was worried we were going to force some kind of Joe Pa um, structure onto the next head coach. No, no. I'm glad we were able to to use a whole new kind of methodology and short Twitter shorthanding. But I, I think Bob talk is a very good one, and, and it makes me happy that we don't have Ken O'Keefe because it's, then it's cock talk, and that <laughs> gets into a whole different area that we just don't need to explore. Advertisers don't like that at all. No, we're, we're radioactive enough to advertisers at this point. <laughs> so let's let's not get into the uh, the Ken O'Keefe talk. Um, so what are I mean the initial impression from everybody? I think my I mean, let me say I think everybody, myself included, was sort of rage compared uh, uh, along with bewilderment that this you know what you know Bill Bill O'Brien. And that, you know, later that night, I kind of came around a little bit to it. And then after the press conference, it seems that the fan base has sort of finally, you know, come around and, and embraced this a little bit, at least, at least most, you know, for the most part. What were your uh, initial impressions and how do you feel about it now? Yeah, I, I had an almost LeVar Arrington moment right before we knew <laughs> that, that, you know, like when it, when there was so much smoke, but we mm-hmm. but we weren't totally sure, you know, like when I when when we put that post up Thursday night, it was pretty obvious. It wasn't. It obviously wasn't confirmed, but it was, it was effectively done. Um, but I, you know, kind of twelve hours before that, I was having a conversation with somebody and, and was, you know, and we didn't. Let's be fair. Like we didn't know much about him. We didn't care to know much about him because, frankly, um, you know, the the perception is like someone in that role. Um, you know, they wouldn't be in that role if they were qualified to interview. So 
and and we've we've talked ad nauseum about the the search and the process and how terrible it was and um you know the lies and the the cover-ups and the misdirections and all that so i i was not happy at all i think the other the other thing that kind of happened is a little bit of guilt sets in when you see the guy you see that by you know by all accounts he, he will probably work very hard um you know his wife and kid are there you'd, you'd, you'd hate to just um yeah. hate the guy right off the bat but i you know and the, the other thing is you know brian at, at mgo blog published uh kind of his um I, I don't I don't know if it was some type of thinly veiled uh manifesto of what he went through with Rich Rod, but I, yeah, I actually I, I get the sense um you know there was the media loved all of the the sports radio talk quotes they got from Lavar and company. Mm-hmm. Um and that was very real for about twenty four hours. I don't get the sense at all, and I tweeted this, that that we're gonna have the, the Michigan man problem here. I, I think everyone you know, two days later is, is effectively okay with insider outsider stuff. I don't, I don't really get the sense we're going to, we're divided into camps. There was the Tom Bradley camp, but that's different than the kind of Michigan man camp. Yeah. And I I think part of the reason for that is that the, you know, plausible Penn state man candidates were so few. Right. I mean, we're not exactly, you know, when you're talking about Penn state's coaching staff, it's a lot of guys who've been around for, you know, 15, 30 years and a few guys who got away like Greg Schiano, who would not have been a popular choice, Al Golden, who apparently seems happy enough to remain in Miami. And not everyone loves him either. No, in terms no, of what he's proven. Definitely not. Definitely not. Uh, I mean, who else? Mike Munchak, you know, had looked at it and decided against it. There aren't that many people with Penn state ties that weren't already in the program. And, and, you know, as as much as the stability of the Penn State coaching staff has been an advantage for years and years and years, those who wanted a Penn State guy with Penn State ties as the new head coach uh, were sort of handicapped by that. No, that's 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 exactly what happened. I mean, that staff, everyone is either retired or on the staff. You know, you don't have, you know, the other thing, you don't get these Bill Belichick kind of secondhand trees either. Um, right. Or yeah, I guess off of uh, I'm drawing a blank here, but you know it, it all fragments out. The Parcells and it, it, is the original, you know. right? The Parcells tree, exactly. That's exactly what I was trying to, to spit out. Mm-hmm. So you know, you, you just you know, and you know when Jim Caldwell is considered an insider, that you have a pretty thin <laughs> um, kind of definition of, of what a, a Penn State person is going to be. Uh, I'm sitting here racking my brain for additional Penn State guys. I didn't even. Think there was the guy. Who's the guy in the CFL too that that comes um, up? John Huffnagel, but, who, yeah. but who's also. You know, if, if he's not in his 60s, he's close to it. Yeah, and that, that seems to be the theme with with a lot of these guys is that they're, you know, they're older. And mm-hmm. and that's one thing that I think sets in, you know, as we as we go into this. This is going to be a very young staff, I very, think. Very, very young coaching staff. And with the possible exception of offensive coordinator, if it's either Mark Whipple or uh, Ralph Friedgen. I'm, I'm hearing that name. Ralph Reachin is an interesting, interesting um, candidate, I think. Mm-hmm. Jeff did a great job with his post today outloaning some of those guys. And it's like a younger Galen Hall. <laughs> he really is. A more vibrant Galen
a lot of the recruits, and especially uh, a local kid named Adam Brenneman, who you'll be hearing a lot about, he's a tight end from the uh, Harrisburg area, going to be one of the, the most sought-after tight ends in the country next year, and Penn State is certainly a, a school that needs them badly. He was very excited because he sees Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez for the Patriots. You know, it, it, we, yeah. we, we've been joking about the NFL aides, you know, <laughs> sort of nonstop, but it, it, it really does seem to be translating to not only the current players, but a, a lot of the recruits as well that, you know, they like the idea of playing for a guy with NFL experience. And, and, and certainly having a, a young guy like O'Brien in here is going to be a completely different dynamic, uh, especially with a lot of young assistant coaches as well. And, you know, I, I think it's going to be interesting to have a coaching staff that, and, and this is going to come off as uh, insulting, and, and maybe it is, but it's going to be nice to have a coaching staff that doesn't feel entitled to their jobs <laughs> you know, from top to bottom. You know, yeah, these, you, these you should have started that sentence with all due respect. Yes. Dove right into it. <laughs> with, all due, with all due respect, I'm going to say something that is completely disrespectful. <laughs> but, but it's true. You know, and yeah. I mean, I think it is. These guys are going to have to come in and work their asses off because they know that they're sort of starting at a, at a position of, of disadvantage. Yeah, you, you and I aren't aren't um, akin to talking about kind of the the uh, subjective parts of either playing or coaching, but mm-hmm. there's definitely a, a hustle element is is the best way I can think to, yeah. to categorize it that was completely lacking. I mean, you know, the staff the staff really isn't that big um, when you start thinking about all the responsibilities and things, and yeah. if you have guys that are just kind of you know, keeping the ship afloat, it's, it's hard, it's hard to, to compete. I mean, I, I think, you know, luckily one of other, you know, Brian Cook did, did mention, um, not an original thought, but the big 10 is very, very easy to win. Mm-hmm. I think, I do think, you know, being on the East Eastern part of it makes Penn state a little bit of a disadvantage because you're not only competing with Ohio state, who's by far the, you know, the strongest recruiter in the, in the conference, but you have this whole slew of, of big East and ACC teams, you've got, you know, some SEC teams that come up, you know, into the Northeast. So yeah. you really are kind of being attacked from all angles where, um, you right. know, if you're, if you're Nebraska, you don't have that problem. Maybe Texas comes up, but that's right. You really, it's, it's Texas a much, is all Texas guys pretty much. And, and, <laughs> and, and the select few that they take from outside the state. Exactly. And I, I, I think that, you know, having, having some staff and, and that's the other thing where this offensive coordinator position is, is, um, could really, you know, it's it's almost kind of a, a politically dead role in the sense that you know it, it sounds like O'Brien wants to call the plays, um, and he obviously will at the very least in the long term dictate the very finer you know the fine details of the offense. But you know, if you could bring someone in who who's able to focus more on recruiting than talent management and almost a kind of a GM type thing, um, and let O'Brien really you know manage the schemes and the game plans, which it sounds like that's kind of his strongest suit. Um, could it could be interesting? I think, uh, you know, Dave Jones wrote that article, which um, sounded like a straw man to me. Have you heard a single person upset that we didn't go with a defensive-minded coach? No, I, I didn't understand the argument or where he was, unless that was in his own. You know, uh, maybe if you're on Penn Live long enough, you you start. I mean, I've, I've, I've seen some people on on Black Shoe Diaries commenting that you know they're going to be mad if it's not a defense first team or if, you know, if the team no longer has good defense, well, you're going to be mad if the team no longer has defense anyway. <laughs> right, right, right. No one's, no one's going to be happy if, you know, 
if Tom Bradley was the head coach and the defense was terrible, you'd be mad if it, you know. I'm 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 drifting off there, but <laughs> no, I, it's it's totally. I mean, there's. I think th- the biggest decision he has to make is going to be in the defensive style, which is I think what you're what mm-hmm. what you're saying is 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 this going to be the the Tom Bradley fundamentally sound, you know, generally good schematic defense, or is this going to be like the quote attacking defense, which, um, you know, is is not what we're used to seeing, and I think mm-hmm. you know in that Houston game, part of what made that you know, one of the worst games to watch in years is is this idea that it was going to have to be a back and forth game, and that's pretty painful. I mean, we've been conditioned for years now to think, oh shit, they just scored twice, like we're screwed. <laughs> kind of, you know, where a lot of teams are are perfectly okay. You know, the the defensive thing isn't an island to them. It's a it's just a means to an end, which is really you know what it should be. Where the offense has always been that for us, it was. Well, no, no. We only play offense when we have to. It's, it's uh, right. It's not yeah, really. It, it's it's definitely gonna be interesting to see what sort of character this team takes on. Uh, the reaction, just based on the on, on the tweets and retweets coming out of the players' uh, first meeting with Bill O'Brien five o'clock Sunday night, seemed overwhelmingly positive. I, I mean, I don't know how many players are gonna come out and, and say they were, you know, <laughs> screw this guy. I want Joe Paterno. Bill, Bill O'Brien and Bill O'Brien's doghouse.com. <laughs> Somebody already did um, reserve uh, firebillobrien.com. Uh, it's the guy who did firejpod.com. So, there's probably a whole cottage industry of just speculating on, you know, finding all of the good coordinators and position coaches and just registering those domains. Yes. Yeah, so, selling them uh, off to, to rich alumni. <laughs> I'm going to hold on to uh, firedickanderson.com just, <laughs> just in case he gets back into the game again. But, um, Fire Mike McQuarrie. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Done. So I mean, all right. Based, I mean, and your your initial your initial reaction to this uh, hire, a lot of it centered around the salary that he was going to be at Bill O'Brien was going to be paid, and how it compares to other people in the uh, Big Ten. Do you think Penn State ran this on the cheap? Do you think they were the whole time looking for somebody who was going to take, you know, Joe Paterno's salary or less? I, <laughs> and could, I mean, could they have gotten away with paying? more you know could, could they have i mean maybe they could have given mark richt four million per year but could they have given bill o'brien more than this because i don't think you, they could you know that this i'm i'm well aware of um and you, you know you said this i'm well aware that there there's i'm making some assumptions that um that are crux to the argument so i, I don't think this is in absolute terms but to me it it suggests very heavily that they did go in and lowball everybody and the reason i say that is because first of all um, they, you know, they kind of went in under the assumption, you know, before all of this broke that they were going to try and get someone cheap. I mean, when Graham Spanier was saying, we don't have money for a big time coach, 
All that was was a negotiation tactic. Right. You know, a very, very early preemptive one before, you know, before there was a search where they're just trying to set the tone. And if they do end up having to spend the money, then they spend the money. But he, you know, that was obviously, you know, the board liked Graham. Graham knew what he was going to do. Everyone was under the assumption he was going to be leading the search. So to me, it suggests that that's probably what they did. The other thing is, you know, this is this was probably the most debated thing. But my my suspicion is that he's underpaid or my impression, I should say, for his level of expertise now. And, you know, to, to get there, I'm looking at some of these other guys. And Jerry Kill is my favorite example who... You know, at Minnesota, with not he had never been on a BCS staff before. Mm-hmm. Um, was the head coach at Northern Illinois, but I don't know if that necessarily is a higher peg than offensive coordinator on, you know, arguably the best offensive team over the last couple of years in the mm-hmm. league. So to me, if if he's making almost twice what O'Brien's making, the other thing, you know, it, it suggests he's it suggests to me that he's underpaid. So the reason, like, I'm, I'm rambling at this point. But if no one if no one truly wanted the job, if the job was toxic, and it really was, and people were rejecting it just on the merits of its own job, then you would have to overpay a coach to get him to come in. So if it's true that nobody wanted it, and all these guys have, you know, probably a handful of agents and they all talk to each other and they probably all have the same opinion about what Penn State means as a career kind of move. Mm-hmm. So if they all agree it's toxic then you're going to have to overpay someone to come in. You're not going to be able to underpay someone. And to me, it feels like they underpaid him. And I know people are throwing the Nike money out, but every, every coach at these big programs is getting Nike money. So it's not fair. Do they get the same amount? I, I think they're, my understanding is they're all individually um, negotiated. So no. So certainly Jerry kill is not getting the same amount, but you know, anyone that we would have wanted anyone at Mississippi state or, you know, Georgia or, you know, Urban Meyer or, you know, any of these guys at these big programs, I have to think are pulling in the same or, or very, very close. I I could be totally wrong about that. Because to be honest, I, I'm not even sure how much of that stuff's public. Probably, it's probably not a bad research project, but to, you know, to me, it, it just suggests that they, they went in cheap and I don't like, first of all, I don't like going in cheap. And I don't like how this sets up in three years when he, if he is successful, he's come in kind of under the assumption that, that he was lowballed because we, you know, we didn't respect or believe in him. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if you think, Oh, well, screw it. If he, if he's underpaid and he leaves and he's terrible, then, you know, we didn't waste any money. Well, don't hire a guy that you think is going to be out of here in three years or do it for $500,000. You don't have to spend a million. Um, the, the next big question, that was my big question on Thursday night was, I wanted to know the salary because to me it implied a lot about how they did the search. And it suggests that maybe a lot of people rejected them because they went in, you know, a million dollars lower than, than what these guys can get other places. Um, but more and, and important, the, I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off, but um, remember what you're about to say, but um, it, it may end up uh, in the next few weeks that we find out a little bit more about exactly who was contacted and what was offered. Uh, I hope that comes out just from a, a fan perspective. Um, no, absolutely. I, I would worry that the, the agent, I didn't realize how much the agents were involved in the, the leaks and the spin on this stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll be weary. I'll be weary from the start. Um, but it's it certainly, it to me, the Al Golden one is interesting because yeah, he's making, you know, I, I couldn't actually find his salary. And it's at private, point. so you, you can't. Right. Um, I suspect it's decent. It's decent money. Um, 
you know, I wonder if they went to him and asked him to take a 50% pay cut. Who knows? I'm, this is this is complete guessing. But the, the one thing I'll say, though, is if they, you know, the other thing is Alabama's defensive coordinator makes $850,000. So, you know, we could talk about, like, the perils of oversigning and the advantages that gives them. But when you're, you know, when you're, when you're, coordinators are making as much money as as the head coaches of teams that you're signing you know home and homes with that's certainly you know a schematic advantage um (laughs) but when they when they when he eventually does hire his staff and we find out what his staff makes that will that will really kind of um cement this for me because if they do go out and get a really good staff and pay a really good staff then that means that oh they just negotiated this on the cheap and it was just a good business, you know, contractual negotiation. If if they underpay everybody like they kind of, like I suspect they'll do, then it suggests that they're just being cheap and they don't want to spend the money. Well, I don't think and that to me is troubling. I don't think yeah. they're paying their assistant coaches, Penn State, uh, that much to begin with. I, I, I think a lot of those guys were, were you know, Bradley may have made, uh, I've seen the number, I think it was 350. Three hundred fifty thousand a year, and I, I may be misquoting that. Somebody with knowledge of his contract had mentioned that once. Um, but I mean, those other guys were making certainly less, like McQuarrie and, and Kermit Bugs and, and those other guys. Um, well, and I, and I don't I don't remember Larry Johnson getting a a raise for sticking around when he was thinking about leaving for Illinois. Yeah, I don't remember that being a part of the conversation at all. And to me, it's you know they probably said you know you want to go go. The smart move would have been to throw him a little more money and keep him at a place he wanted to stay. Uh, maybe they were ultimately they knew the situation better to begin with, but the, you know it's a risky proposition. You know, it's also interesting they almost let the one guy walk away from a, from you know who's who's actually going to be retained on the yeah. you know the next regime. Yeah, it's. Uh, it, I, I you 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 somewhat disagreed with with me, and I think that's more than fair. But is, but is his but salary is his salary fair? Do you think? I mean, In a vacuum, I mean, I, I I disagree, but I don't know either. <laughs> right? Uh, is his salary fair? I mean, for a guy with no head coaching experience, um, to sort of, I mean, and I, I suppose he had opportunities to explore NFL head coaching jobs. I mean, he, he certainly wasn't offered one that we know of. I mean. With, with the other money thrown thrown in two two point five million dollars to coach Penn State with no coaching experience, I don't think it's a bad deal. Um, certainly, you know, we had you, you had mentioned that he was paid less than Jerry Kill. Um, I think the only salary that he's higher than is is uh, Danny Hope at Purdue, right. in, inside the conference. If he does really well those first two years. They'll end up re- renegotiating the contract, or he's just going to bolt. And at that, yeah, point, I mean, it, it sounds point, obvious gonna... to do that, but they've never had to do it. And it, you know, to me, it suggests that you know if they haven't wanted to reinforce other other coaches that wanted to leave. I mean, I know it's a totally different situation, but it makes me a little bit uneasy about their ability to handle that. Well, yeah, I mean, it may be that we're all angry at the administration of, of the university again in two years for not doing enough to keep Bill O'Brien. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the thing the thing is, this is all just such a scrambled, weird situation, and, and, and we has, know nothing. Yeah, I mean, and, and it has been from the very beginning that we've sort of been working on this sort of, you know, low information 
playing here. <laughs> we're just <sort> right. <laughs> going on whatever's available and, and trying to make the best of it. I mean, I, I'm glad to see people coming around and embracing him. And I think that, you know, Penn State, given its facilities, uh, given its, you know, brand, which is, of course, you know, uh, tarnished now, but just, just its general pull in the, uh, you know, in the high school football world in this region, I, I kind of find it hard to believe that he can't do as well as Joe Paterno and, you know, his two-thirds functioning or half-functioning coaching staff. <laughs> right. Yeah, that, there were a lot of people that, that agree with, with, with the idea that this is, you know, Sleeping Giant is an overused, you know, but there are a lot of built-in advantages that all it takes is just a, a half ounce of giving a shit to take advantage of. And, and that's what, you know, th- th- this is such a weird high stakes experiment that's going on here, but can basically, and this, I shouldn't even say it, but basically can a monkey who gives a shit (laughs) do as good as, or better than the previous coaching (laughs) staff. And that, that, that's insulting pretty much everybody, but um, that's, that's the basic crux of it for me is that can a coaching staff with everybody, you know, entirely you know, firing on all cylinders, recruiting, coaching, film review, all that stuff, just staying on top of things. And I, I find it hard to believe that a guy with Bill O'Brien's uh, apparent temperament is, is going to permit anybody to not do their jobs. Right. What are they capable of? And I'm not expecting miracles in year one because there's still no quarterback. Next year's going to be Next year, next year was going to be brutal, even if reanimated Vince Lombardi sprang from the <laughs> grave and, and took over the team. It's it's going to be tough. But can they go out there? Can they, you know, starting in basically March and April, can they get a few kids to sign early? Can they, you know, coach some of these kids up that are already on the team to get them at least, you know, prepared? What's going to happen with the quarterback situation? Rob Bolden essentially has transferred. And I mean, like, by not leaving. He he he, he has transferred. No, he, he's basically by getting an entire entire entirely new coaching staff. He's oh oh gotcha gotcha gotcha. He got what he wanted. <laughs> yeah, he's essentially transferred without having lost a year. That's a very very good way of looking at it. So I mean, can he be coached up? He still has two years and a redshirt year left. McLean's going to be a senior. Is I mean, is he even going to? I think he's graduated. I mean, is he going to stick around? I, I, apparently, he is, but who knows? I think he. I think he have to at can, this point. Can Paul Jones, you know, get a two point for Christ's sake? I mean, I, people keep pinning their hopes to, to a guy who has not been able to be academically eligible yet in two years. I mean, it's a joke. You know, I, I understand that Penn State is historically known for graduating their their football players and especially their african-american players but how you know I, I i knew a lot of those players up there when i was going through school and they're not they weren't exactly all taking calculus you yeah. can get through penn state by not you know breaking your balls too much especially if you're a football player and you have all those academic resources available to you and you get to schedule the fly fishing class first because you go first. Exactly. I mean, while the rest of us have to take, you know, weather one hundred and one. Right. And who the hell are we kidding here? 
<laughs> that this, that, that I, I know I went to a terrible high school, but if you went to a terrible high school and had no chance of passing these classes, even with support, they shouldn't have been recruiting the kid in the first place. But they're desperate for a quarterback, so they did. Um, hopefully he can get it together. He seems like a good kid. Uh, I know his mom used to post on a lot of the message boards, and she seemed like a you know a great mother and and you know a family that sort of had their stuff together. But dude, stop tweeting and start studying. <laughs> we need only, we need you. The only thing I I, I didn't hear, um, and I don't think we'll know if if maybe he just didn't take the credits to be eligible. He knowing that he was he was going to be taking a semester off from from playing. I, I'm just suggesting that because I, mean, I know that came out during the bowl game. And, but well, he had he had tweeted that he was I think like point one two of, of his GPA short of being academically eligible. Oh, and, and that's <laughs> not, you know, we're not talking about having to maintain a three five to to get on the plane and, and stand on the bench in in Dallas. Yeah, he 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 does. He's not passing his classes. <laughs> so I mean, the, the first time it was a credit issue, but it, it you know, if you can count to twelve, you can figure that out. <laughs> yeah, you you get the sense, and and I'm actually okay. People are making excuses for it, and, and you know, come on, right? Come on, <laughs> right? I you know, especially your first couple of years when when you're not. You yeah, know. he's he's redshirting anyway. <laughs> Count to twelve. I, <laughs> I do. Uh, I do wonder um, without without writing these guys off, and I'd love to eat my words, but I do wonder if if the the sustainable part of this new regime is is actually kind of in the next crop of quarterbacks. Yeah, and that's, that's I, I, I want them. To, I want them all to succeed, but it, it does feel. It feels difficult because the the other thing is, and and with you know, without knowing how flexible O'Brien is, none of these guys really um, seem capable of plugging right into to a more pro style. You know, even even McGloin and in, in his you know, I, I could see McGloin actually being a heavy heavy favorite only because he can hit tight ends, he can hit you know, the slants and those types of things. Right, he can at least scan the field better than the other guys on the roster. Yeah, we are going to get an awful lot of, of tight endedness, I believe, I'm in down. the next two years. I'm down. Yeah, and I'm I've, fine with it. I've, I love I've watching been, the tight ends. I've been screaming for years, as have thousands of other Penn State fans, that they you know they never use the tight end and they never use the middle of the field. And hopefully, this is this has come to an end where we don't see, you know, four wide receivers and all of them are running eight yard out patterns. <laughs> Yeah, it's you know, and there's talent on. I mean, we've said this before. If you give us, you know, Kirk Cousins, who's a very competent, mm-hmm. not you know, completely outstanding quarterback, and there's no reason to think this team couldn't have beat everyone on the schedule except potentially Alabama. And even then, I'd love to see these receivers in, in Silas Red against Alabama with the quarterback. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the line will hinder you to some extent, but yeah, and and that's you know the big. Hire that you know we we haven't you know, well there are a few coaching staff hires that, that haven't come out yet but who's going to be coaching the offensive line yeah who's going to be the defensive coordinator um apparently we have a running backs coach named Charles London London yeah and I'm I've I've learned tonight that if you Google uh, Charles London you end up with uh, re- uh, returns for London Charles. 
who is, I believe, a uh, uh, adult actress <laughs> with, a, with a very large uh, rear end. Um, so don't do that at work. <laughs> Jeff, Just uh, trust Jeff, Jeff that had, he yeah, knows how to coach running backs. Jenny had posted that. Uh, he's like, by the way, if you happen to be looking this guy at work, <laughs> and thank God, because I did last week, <laughs> yeah, but I put Titans in there. Thankfully, good or bad? No, okay. Yeah, yeah. If I left a few letters out of Titans, I'd be, <laughs> I'd have the same problem all over again. Um, the offensive line is is going to be a huge thing. Apparently, the um, strength and conditioning coach John Thomas has not been told that he is fired yet. So that will keep our um, our high intensity training. Uh, debates going. Although, as 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 I wrote in one of the comments, I'm sure that wasn't a big priority for O'Brien right now. That no. is, it's not like <laughs> it's not like you have to get a new strength and conditioning coach right now. You can wait a few weeks on that. You can wait a few months on that if you really want to do it. Although I do, e- I would e- love to staff. know if if that comes up in recruiting negative recruiting conversations from other schools. I'm sure everything comes up in negative recruiting from other schools. <laughs> Although, you know, the Joe Paterno's age is never uh, is not a concern anymore, which is nice. Yeah, I. But you know, we're just we're getting the same. But they'll find same medicine else. with with O'Brien and and you know short term and and that type of thing. Yeah, I, yeah. I really, you know what though is I, I feel strangely good about the recruiting, and and I don't even know what we should. Um, I guess a, a question after a statement, but I, I don't even know if if this class is, is that vital or if the Patriots thing is that vital. But I, I am curious if the Patriots do win the Super Bowl, does that does that help at all? Sure. Or are does. we are we completely or would you much rather him lose on you know next week? I mean if <laughs> this is this is uh, a bit nonsensical. I'd rather he lose next week, but if they win, I would rather they win the AFC Championship because you're at the end of the recruiting period anyway. Right. So yeah. You, at might least, well, uh, you might as well have the guy win the Super Bowl and be, and be calling you know calling recruits or calling future recruits from the Super Bowl site like, hey, just uh, just hanging out here in I guess Indianapolis this year. Yeah. I think you just text out a picture of your ring yeah. to everyone on the Rivals 100 list and <laughs> don't even put any words on it. I mean, that's what you have to do. It's like when uh, when Munchak was considering the job, I, I wrote, like, you know, somebody had said, oh, how's he going to compete against Urban Meyer? I said, well, he takes his NFL Hall of Fame bust, walks in the, <laughs> walks in the room, sets on the coffee table, just kind of sits there. <laughs> He looks at it. He looks out yeah. the window. For a little bit. Polishes a, yeah, polishes it a little bit. It's good. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, it, it, uh, this recruiting class. I I think I agree with you in that it is overblown. I think I overblew it a little bit in the initial post when it was announced that he was going to be Penn State's coach, and that maybe it isn't that huge of a deal. I mean, he has to. This class, I think you just try to get out of it as much as you can with the understanding that it's not going to be ideal. Yeah, this, and the ceiling bust, feels low, doesn't yeah, it? Exactly. And you bust your balls the minute the playoffs are over. And I don't know if, you know, Josh McDaniels is, is coming back to New He's already signed to come back with New England as an offensive consultant or something like that. Um, I, I, I wouldn't, it, it, it doesn't seem that 
O'Brien's going to leave the Patriots because of that, although McDaniels is taking over again as the offensive coordinator next year. Um, I was hoping that would sort of be a you know, a way to get him to Penn State sooner, but doesn't that doesn't appear to be happening. But you know, as soon as that season is over, you start working on the next class. And that's that's when the real evaluating starts. This, you just try to pick up as many pieces as you can and, and get to the finish line. And, and hopefully you haven't lost too much to, you know, your, your local rivals or your conference rivals. It would right. be a, a horrible shame if, if Cameron Williams ended up going to Ohio State. That would be a crusher, especially having already lost Noah Spence. Um, with regard to Spence, you know, he was super tight with Larry Johnson. I... I that ship has probably sailed, but who knows? I, I don't. I don't think. I don't think you could ever totally rule something like that out. No, I mean, I, you, you never count out Larry Johnson in a scenario like that. But I mean, I don't know. We'll see. So that's the the other interesting thing about the Larry Johnson hire is that it was immediate and it yeah. was definitely part of the messaging. Yes, it was. So yes, it, it, was. it makes me but wonder. The, it's the me- the messaging part's a really good point. It's not just that he was hired; it's that it was you know widely broadcast and and proudly broadcast immediately that he was hired. But yeah, and it was it was part of the speech, and it was one of those built-in applause moments. Mm-hmm. Um, and it to me the question was you know so have we have we now set a line of how close is too close to, to the Sandusky. Sandusky thing um well apparently Vanderlinden Vanderlinden staying on as well and Larry Johnson staying on uh Vanderlinden was at Maryland in the late 90s before he came back I think 2001 I mean I could look that up quickly I think I, I think I looked up Larry was 98 does that sound right that could be. I'll, I'll I'll look it up real quick too, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I think Tom Bradley, no matter what, wasn't staying unless he was the head coach. So that you, it, there's a zero percent chance you think he'll take the defensive coordinator position. Zero. Or be offered it. He's gone. He's he's absolutely gone, um, and he may even end up at Iowa. <laughs> you know, that's I, I think that's entirely possible. Vanderlinden was 2001. Larry Johnson was 2000. Or no, um, 1996. 96. He was defensive ends and special teams coach from 96 to 99. Special teams coach. Yeah, hey, oh. And um, <laughs> 2000 till now, defensive line. Um, I don't know if either one of those two guys is necessarily going to be the defensive coordinator. That hasn't been announced yet. So at least they're yeah. still on the staff because those are I, – I, I, I'm pretty sure that – you know, most would agree that those two were our best position coaches. Oh yeah, if, if not, you if not our best two coaches, period. At this point, if you, regardless of scheme, you know, the, those <clears> two <throat> having good guys at those two positions. I mean, look at the guys they've put into the NFL. Pretty, 
Yeah, it's the only position where they, I I guess, you know, wide receiver, Penn State's kind of possession under the radar wide receivers have have been underreported, probably because of all the things I I just said before that. But they do, they do definitely send guys to, you know, receivers that, that make an impact. But those two positions are, are just kind of both crucial and, you know, they have been unbelievably better than, than, you know, even, even Ohio State probably, you know, doesn't have, as much of it, probably not even close to the argument if you include the line and the linebacker. So, I I, I would love to keep just the talent there. And if, if we completely change change schemes 180 degrees, I probably won't like it, but I could certainly live with it. If and you're still no matter what, you're still going to need good linebackers and and good defensive linemen. Right. I mean, you need those in any scheme. So, uh, if this means death to the soft cover three, I'm all for it. <laughs> well, Bradley, I didn't. I didn't realize Bradley was the backs coach. Or I knew. I guess I had forgotten. Yeah. It'll, you know, I and well, he was. His statement just just crushed me. Of all the, mm-hmm. I, and not to get, I rarely get emotional about what's supposed to be a hobby, but um, you really got the sense of you know, kind of how how challenging this has probably been for him. Yeah, and to Larry Johnson's credit, you could not have done a more professional. And I mean that in the uh, n- not only how he did his job, but how he portrayed how he was doing his job. You know, he it, it made himself completely available to all media with a smile on his face. Uh, knew he was in a tough position. Did as much as he could. Did absolutely nothing during this whole fiasco since the moment he took over to tarnish his reputation or his brand in any way i mean he's like you know, we've said it before he's really the only guy that came out of this looking better right you know he he, he, really, he really was and is always going to be known as a, a dedicated penn stater will always be loved by the fans here anytime this position comes open in the future as long as tom bradley's you know 70 years or younger People will bring up his name to say, hey, you know, how about the, you know, why don't we bring Tom Bradley back? Like that will, he's, he cemented his legacy by never even becoming the head coach here. Right. Which, which is, you know, impressive. It is. And, and he's done really, really good work for yeah. 10 years now. Mm-hmm. I mean, for longer than that, presumably, but I mean, the last 10 years have just been, he's done, he's put out great defenses. You know, 2010 was probably his worst and, and even then, it was it was a you know it yeah, they're, rebuilt they're prob- so well into something great. There have probably been two bad defenses here since he was defensive coordinator since you know two thousand. There, there was one year during the dark years where the, the defense was terrible. It may have been a one. I remember Jimmy Kennedy was on it. and He was really really young, and they just got mauled by everybody. <laughs> um, but even you know oh three and oh four. You know, that 04 defense is one of the best we've had. <laughs> that, that, yeah. was, that was the team that didn't give up more than, what was it, 20 or 21 points to anybody the whole year. And, of course, they were, what? Three and something. Three maybe. and nine or <laughs> four and eight or whatever it was. Yeah, I mean, Bradley will always have, have a soft spot in everyone's heart. And um, it's a shame that this happened to him professionally, you know, just, just in the sense that, he didn't really get a shot and it wasn't his fault because you know, I don't think there was any intention from the very beginning to give him any more than a courtesy look. 
So the other thing is, is, you know, a lot of a lot of the criticism of the administration is that they've been stringing these guys along. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't have been hard to to um, to kind of set the uh, set expectations. I don't think. I'm not in, saying they did it, way? but I I wonder if Bradley had any realistic expectation of becoming head coach. I don't think he did. So you know, I don't. So for him to stick around suggests you know well and that, that, he, that he wants to to finish loyally or also that he isn't sure how to how to move on i i think those are both true and i think there's also that element that i mentioned earlier is that he was showing his next employer what he was made of i think he yeah. had, i think he had switched that mode in his mind already which which he should have because he knew, yeah, win, win, win. I think yeah, for us and yeah. Him. I mean, he he knew that he wasn't going to be the new head coach, and you know we, we've heard from people who have talked to him that, that said he knew that. Um, but but he, like I said, he did it all with a smile on his face, and you know th- those guys. I, I shouldn't say those guys because obviously Johnson and Vanderlyn are still here, but Bradley knew he was a dead man walking. Which is horrible, you know. It's, it's, right. It sucks for him, but you know, he, he was he was a guy that had the highest. I mean, he was the coordinator. He wasn't a position coach, and you know, he, he's not going to stick around as a as a coordinator under some guy he doesn't know. And he, he was just sort of positioning himself for a new job, which is what he should have rightfully been doing in in, in his scenario. It's just sad. I mean, it goes back to, you know, we're never going to escape the the various barbs of sadness that are associated right. with this entire thing. There's always going to be something. Um, but, I mean... So, so, what are the, so what are the three worst places he can land? Iowa. Um, Pitt. I guess, I guess Pitt. Does Pitt have a defensive... No, they, I think they may have a defensive coordinator. Oh, did they? I mean, I don't, I, don't know who, I don't know who still has open positions, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, but Kirk Ferentz is a Western Pennsylvania guy. Uh, Todd Bradley's a Western Pennsylvania guy. There's there's certainly some bond there. Um, he's familiar with Bradley's work, certainly, and and probably likes it. And it's very similar to what Norm Parker did, to be honest with you. It, it, you know, right. Heavily, it, it's two pretty similar defensive schemes. I would be almost surprised at this point if he didn't end up there. And that, you know, in a sense, I hope he does. Because what the hell? Good for him. Why should I wish Tom Bradley to not get the best job he can? So go, yeah, get, I, go get it, man. I, yeah, I'm all, I'm all for that, too. Go I, get it. I, I don't have a problem with yeah, it. Nice you would do well face. there. That's a pretty big cultural shift, though, probably. Yeah, from State College to Iowa? You know. Well, I not not maybe from, from State College to, to the campus of Iowa, but a, it does feel like he's... I don't even know what I'm saying anymore, but you know, something on the East Coast seems to fit his his um, yeah. demeanor for for whatever reason. Although he probably said that about Ferentz before he became the highest yeah, and I guess now second highest paid coach at, in the whole conference. Seriously, so. um, I still can't believe he makes what he makes, but um, <laughs> blows my mind. Best agent ever. Um, so what are what are the expectations for Bill O'Brien, short term and long term? I, I think next year, next year could not. No one's ever gotten a pass the way he's going to get one next year. I think. I think he's the offensive guy. He's coming. He's going from Tom Brady, Tom Brady, to 
um, the you know the opposite of to whatever we have <laughs> to the poo poo platter that is our quarterback situation. Yeah, and it's you know, and like kind of what we were referring to next year. It's not even one that has. It's not even um, you know a bunch of unmolded clay, so to speak. Like I really right. think there's some there's some unsolvable answers with the current you know, and m- maybe I'm wrong, and maybe that's why he's you know. Here I am telling him that you know two point four million dollars is way underpaid. Maybe for for a guy for a guy who's making that much money, he's he's able to um, to use some creativity and adapt. But you know, I I can't imagine. You know, I would still expect them to beat the teams that that we always expect them to beat. I think they've mm-hmm. you know they've yeah. always done that. I'm I'm not entirely sure. I haven't done the math in my head yet on on what I think the defense will be able to do next year. Um, but I know what the offense will, will do. Yeah. Uh, Long term, I mean, you have to win this division every three years. I think. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. And it's going to be, it's gonna be tough with Ohio State. Yeah. I mean, and Wisconsin, you know, of course. But yeah, they're going to be you, good. You at least, least want to be on equal footing with those two. Where yeah, I, and we're not right now. No, and Ohio State is always going to be. I mean, look at this last decade, right? So, you know. I saw some Michigan fan tweeting some nonsense about uh, about like well Penn State like I forget what the comment was, but somehow like you know Penn State really hasn't won that many division championships since they joined the conference. The problem is when you play Ohio State every year as a protected game, mm-hmm. and Ohio State you know is the one winning every year, and you're not able you're not allowed to back into you know a shared title because you didn't have to play them. It's it's a tough you know for as easy as the Big Ten kind of feels in whole um, having to 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 run over Ohio State every year before you before you can really win is is yeah. always going to be difficult. You know what though, I think <laughs> I think that if you can get a good offense, you know Ohio State's always had you know very very good defense, and I'm sure things will change as Meyer gets there. But I don't I don't think that um, in a football sense he's unbeatable. I think he's just always had really fantastic personalities use them really effectively. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're going to have a talent advantage, certainly, at least in the, in the near term. I, I'd love to know, see, you know, I, I want to see the first few recruiting battles where it's a kid from Western Pennsylvania who doesn't have any interest in Pitt and it's Ohio State and Penn State going for it. Well, and here's the other thing, you know, he's going to, you know, the, the thought is Meyer's going to come in and just dominate. Well, Trestle came in and recruited every single player in Ohio and got them to commit, mm-hmm. and then recruited most of the ones in Western PA and got a large number of them to commit. So, I, I don't think um, they have that much incremental gain available just because Jim Trestle did such a good job. Well, that's true. So long. And and one of the biggest challenges facing oh my dog is barking, <laughs> um, annoying little monsters. Um, one of the biggest challenges this Penn State coaching staff has in a recruiting sense is they there are a lot of very good high school programs around the state that produce a lot of talent that don't even talk to Penn State. That for whatever reason, uh, Joe Paterno and his staff had just completely burned bridges between them. One of them is Gateway, and that's run by a former Penn State player, Terry Smith. He was a receiver back in the early 90s or late 80s. Uh, Justin King's, oh, I want to say uncle. I think he's Justin King's uncle. Justin King's like the only player we've ever gotten out of that program. (laughs) Um, 
and and since then there's you know i guess that he didn't like the way king was used at penn state you know, and you know who would be happy with a lockdown corner talent playing 10 yards off the line of scrimmage his entire career but right. um yeah gateway um Erie cathedral prep bishop mcdevitt here in, in harrisburg there are schools all over the state that do, you know, that produce a lot of division one talent that, you know, Bill O'Brien and his coaching staff are going to have to go out and be like, all right, you know, nice to meet you. <laughs> Basically just start, start at square one with a lot of these kids. Or you know, of, it's almost an advantage though, because you, you probably have some type of Penn state tie at, at most of those high schools. Sure. And you have, you're able to, you know, one of, I guess that, the things I didn't really think about now is you're not, you're not just removing the Sandusky baggage. You're potentially removing, you know, 50 years of paternal baggage between mm-hmm. the high school and, uh, and Penn state, yeah. but you know, still being able to play the Penn state card. It'd be interesting to see how effective that is. It sounds yeah. good on paper anyway. Right. And so, I mean, that, that's going to be a challenge for them and, and we'll see. I, I think the long-term goal of winning the division and going to the big 10 championship every three years is completely reasonable. Um, you know, talking about national championship is stupid. <laughs> it's just dumb because, you know, oh, he has to win a national ch- No, he doesn't. Joe Paterno, Until the know. SEC, you know, somehow is leveled. Um, right. it's, it's just not, it's not happening. There's going to be a USC and, and a, even a Notre Dame, I could see having the national poll, but not anytime soon. But, no. but yeah, that, I think the idea that anyone in the North has any type of birthright to national championships right now is ridiculous. <laughs> right. So, yeah, get to the championship game. You know, hopefully you win it. Hopefully you go to the BCS, and, and, and that's that. Um, in the meantime, graduate the players. People are mad. Don't fuck with the uniforms. Right. We're having that debate right now. I'm the, I'm the <laughs> only one that's like, you know, I wouldn't mind. <laughs> A little tinkering here and there. <laughs> it sounds and, like and, trolling. And I am not trolling. I'm <laughs> so, I am so deadly serious about that. That I, I think that's a big, big deal to um, a lot of players. And, and I'm not talking about changing them permanently. But if you want to slap numbers on the helmets and put a stripe on the pants every once in a while, go for it. We've done it before. It's not like you have to. You don't have to step outside of your history to mess with the uniforms a little bit. I mean, even look at Michigan did with their little uh, uh, numbers on the side of the helmet and the, the design in the front of the uniform. You can, you can, and they may look ridiculous, but sure. But Maybe. I mean, it, but, <laughs> but it's part of the history. At least you don't have to, you know, become Oregon where you're changing uniforms at halftime just to, you know, to get a different look. Have they done that yet? I'm not surprised they, should, they, they really should. <laughs> See, that's trolling <laughs> when you're going from like gray that's... to neon yellow at halftime. That's, yeah. that's some ninja trolling right there. <laughs> I am not trolling when I say I want to mess with the uniforms. I'm totally down. But I, I, I don't want to become Oregon. But I th- it's a selling point. You know, I, I think it makes it makes the players excited, too. So Yeah, it'll yeah. it'll be interesting. I, I, I don't I, think he'll, he won't do it. That That's that's last on the priority list, I'm sure. He If he wins the national championship, he would then potentially be able to even suggest <laughs> that, that he wants to change something. But yeah, of all the of all the of all the fights to pick as an outsider, that's not one of them. No, I don't. I don't think so. I did love the plug for real grass. Yes, major points for that. Penn, Penn State's turf grass uh, program, second to none, baby. Big stadium, real grass, which I'm a huge fan of. Yeah. I like 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. He really did do a good job. He he wasn't yeah, and that's, just, that's, that's hardly polished. That's one thing I want I wanted to get to before we uh, shut this down is what did you think of the press conference? I I thought it was very good. I think I I think he looked completely um kind of frazzled but doing his yes. absolute best <laughs> appropriately frazzled. I, I would say <laughs> And in, in some ways, it was the best he could have looked. You know, yeah. like if, if he came in here real self confident, he would immediately. And the thing was, he was saying some pretty self confident things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I believed him, but he he certainly wasn't. He wasn't coming in here expecting to. The other kind of subtle thing, which um, I, I wanted to talk about, but I was too busy yelling about about money was um, several times he, he alluded to the idea of working for the administration. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, and I have a very, this is, this is not a outrageous um, suggestion, but you know, for so long, Paterno did not work for the administration and he didn't work for the board and he didn't, he didn't, work, he didn't work with them either. <laughs> no. And I, it makes you wonder if there's a, as if there was a very, you know, they probably weren't, arrogant and explicit about it, but a very strong undertone in all of the interviewing and all of the search committee stuff to make sure the coach understood that they have no interest in hiring somebody bigger than them. Um, and there are very few people that could be bigger than and, them. And oh. that, that is, in, you know, if you want to get back to the money thing, because I think it's related, that could be tied into why they ended up with a, a sort of a lower salary guy is that they wanted somebody who didn't have a larger than life ego or aura about him. Like if they bring in Mark Richt or if they bring in, you know, throwing out less miles or, you know, Nick Saban or something, you know, just, just for the sake of, of urban Meyer even. Yeah, exactly. If you bring in urban Meyer, you know, that, that's a guy who's larger than life. And that's a guy that you probably can't control. Right. Yeah. I I think the board, the board has been waiting (laughs) decades to be able to to you know regain the the high ground and um, yeah, and I, and I think they've done it. Yeah, it's not that they. I, I think they have any interest in running the football program. I just think it's they don't feel like being run over by the football program. Well, I mean, it was so obvious. Like, not not to. I, I'm slowly but surely blocking out everything that happened during that that week of horror. But yeah, you know, even things like Paterno's Paterno's press release where he basically instated himself for the rest of the year mm-hmm. you know that's the kind of that was a, a very kind of obvious example of what the dynamic was there which we all we all knew that's what it was but you know it, it, that is a pretty bold move in hindsight and not something that you oh, know even I a jim trestle wouldn't do something like that i think that's yeah. what got him fired yeah I, well i mean I, I think that was not, not necessarily, help, sure. yeah I, I think it was the last straw we're, we're finally they were back into a corner. I'm like, Mm-mm, no, no, <laughs> right, right, right. no, 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 not not now. So, but that's that's in the past now. Now we have the Bob. We have we have the Bob Bob of Stan, the notorious B O V. Something I'm else. Just you know, the, 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 like you like you said before, this is a hobby for us. Like you know, I I, I don't live and die with this like I used to. And I'm excited. I'm excited to see what this guy can do, and and I'm happy to give him a chance. And and I think that, you know, if if people remain supportive of him and, and give him a chance to get his own talent and his own coaches and his own people in here, the potential is is very good. 
and hopefully he'll he'll stick around long enough to see it through. Yeah, that that's my my only my only concern. But I I totally agree. And I, you're already starting to see kind of the fan base and alumni and oh, you got, a, you got a standing ovation at the uh, basketball games over the weekend. Right, and the the kid with the jersey. I love how they left the one at home. Oh, but, the, the one know. at home has a, a a severe like disability. Oh. That, that's why he he is, and and that's and that's another thing. It's another thing that will you know. And, and this is this is not meant to, to to trivialize or anything like that. But it's another thing that makes this guy more human. Is that he has a nine year old son with a severe brain development disorder. Usually, the, the kids who have this uh, disorder don't live to be a year old. Oof. Yeah, it's really bad. So, um, and, and it's not something you heard mentioned very often in you know the sort of biographies of, of this of this guy as he came in but it it does sort of humanize the situation for sure so yeah it it's oh. yeah yeah it, no and that that's i, I totally i think humanizes is an absolutely perfect characterization i'd i'd love to i'd love to see the other the other thing that the that that he has a chance to do here is really establish kind of um you know paterno did a lot of outreach but there was kind of it was more of a, a celebrity type endorsement stuff, at least later on. Who knows? I, I wasn't around for the the um, the real energetic versions of it. But you know, there's there's a lot of opportunity, a lot of things that that Penn State does that mm-hmm. they'll have a chance to continue doing. You know, I know Thon, for example. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he'll be very with. very visible at Thon and, and a bunch of other places and, as well. Yeah, it, it should be interesting, and I think you're right. The, the range of possibilities of outcomes from this is over the last decade that we've seen has just exploded. It's, and that is it's exciting. It, yeah. it is exciting because, you know, for, for a long time we, we knew what we were going to get and now we don't. And that's fun. <laughs> I mean, it is, you know, it, it's, it's, it's fun. And it's a shame that what happened, you know, not only with Sandusky, with Paterno's firing and every, you know, everything. It's a shame that it took all of that to get to this point And, you know, this, you know, we, we've mentioned this a million times. We have to look forward at some point. Right. And it's fun to look forward now because we're at least settled. You know, they've at least picked somebody. So now we can actually think about football and not feel too bad about it. <laughs> while, while also obviously remembering everything that happened before. But at least there's you know, a bit of a turning of the page. So welcome, Bob and um, <laughs> Coach O'Brien. <laughs> kick my ass um <laughs> angry little man but um yes welcome to him and welcome to his family welcome to his uh impending new hires on the coaching staff and uh, i look forward to years of uh, of mystery and, <laughs> and whatever else we get here because we don't know yeah no clue we don't know but thank you all for joining us and subscribing the itunes link and uh, hopefully that's See you next time. Thank you very much.